Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. As we go through our beloved's upcoming schedule, we move on to part two of our same place opponent previews and welcome back Sander Phillips to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and how they'll do in 2016. What does Santa think of Lovey's firing? And is Dirk Cutter the man for the job? All of this and so much more on part two of the same place opponent preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Episode number two of the 14 preview episodes we have lined up between now and the start of training camp in July. Moving forward and getting ready for the regular season. What's going on, everybody? Larity back for part two of the same place opponent preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. We had a great talk with Sequoia Sims uh, from... uh, well, not really from anywhere. He's kind of a free agent at the moment, setting up his own thing. But we had a great talk with him uh, the other day, uh, talking about the San Francisco 49ers and uh, their situation with Chip Kelly, Colin Kaepernick, Blaine, uh, Blaine Gabbert, and, uh, and so on. Now we move on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and uh, we will be playing Tampa Bay um, week, number, week number 10, I believe. So, you know, in the, the second half uh, of the schedule, uh, once again uh, for the Bears so it's um, you know it's it's going to be later on in the season that we're playing Tampa Bay heading back down there again so the same as same as before where the Bears played the uh, the Bucks on the road and the 49ers at home got the same thing going on uh, in 2016 as well only it's it's going to be a little different uh, for the Bears and the 49ers last year it was I think week fifth week 16 for the Bears and the uh, the Bears and the uh, the Bucks and uh, the you know as you heard me mention with uh, when we had Q on the show last time, uh, the Bears are playing literally almost a year to the day since they played the 49ers uh, last year. December December sixth of twenty fifteen was when the first game took place. December fourth of twenty sixteen is when you know same week week thirteen the you know pretty much almost the same exact day the Bears and the 49ers matching up uh the Bears and the Bucks bumping up a few slots on the schedule I think week 10 week 11 I think actually Tampa's the first game back from the bye let me pull up the schedule uh real quick just to make sure that I'm uh I'm reading that right yeah they are the first first game back from the bye so both teams will actually be coming off a um a bit of a break. The uh, the Buccaneers have a Thursday night game, Week Nine, so they will have that uh, that semi bye week where they have that ten day break from their last game before playing the Bears at home. And the Bears, 
um, you know, play play the Vikings on on Halloween on Monday Night Football week number eight, week number nine off, and then uh, travel down to Tampa to take on the Buccaneers to kick off the second half uh, of the schedule. So, so uh, you know, theoretically, two well rested teams will be taking place. Uh, you know, taking taking the field against each other week number ten when the Bears and the Bucks. Uh, get down to business uh, in November. So going to have uh, Sander Phillips had a good conversation with him, a bit of a shorter conversation uh, than the one we had with Q on uh, about the 49ers uh, earlier. So, uh, you know, I, I won't I won't be chewing up an hour and 10 minutes of your time uh, this time around. So uh, be a shorter episode. Uh, so, uh, you know, you're welcome. It's uh, I don't know if, if we'll have that luxury with the other teams that we have coming up because, the AFC South is got to be one of the more interesting divisions to talk. Well, actually, both of them are because you, you heard me say over and over again last year, if the Bears had 2016 schedule last year, you'd have to think they may have fared a lot better as far as wins and losses uh, were concerned because there were th- three, the, the, the bottom three divisions in football last year, the NFC South, the AFC South, and the NFC East, and you could probably argue until you were blue in the face about what order those divisions uh, go in, but if the Bears could have had their run against the NFC East and the AFC South last year, we may have made a run at it, that's for sure. Uh, those uh, was not not a lot going on with those two divisions uh, as far as anything good uh, is concerned. It was kind of like both divisions sent a division champion to – uh, the playoffs simply because they had to. Somebody had to win the division, so someone was going to represent that division uh, in the playoffs. And uh, you know, granted, I, I I give more credit to the Texans for how they made it, and gotta love the Redskins for the way they finished off things in the NFC East and they stuck it out. But you know, both of those teams are one and done. As a fact, matter of fact, the Texans were blown out thirty to nothing at home against the Chiefs in the wild card round. The Redskins made a bit more of a game with it with the Packers in their wild card game, but were nonetheless beaten and shown the door rather quickly uh, as well. But, uh, you know, two very interesting divisions, a lot going on with all of those teams. Uh, You know, the Titans obviously making headlines with everything they did. The Jaguars with their draft and the way they spent money and free agency. The Colts, can they recover and retake the division? The the, the Texans, the defending champion of that division and so on. And then, of course, the NFC East. Can the Cowboys come back from, you know, can they bounce back from that one-year slump where losing Tony Romo pretty much sunk the team last year? The Redskins, can they repeat the success they had as far as being the top dog in the division? Will the Giants resurrect themselves, all the money they spent in free agency? And then, of course, the Eagles starting over with a brand-new coach and Doug Peterson getting rid of Chip Kelly, you know, firing him before the season even ended and so on. So a lot of interesting stuff to talk about in the shows to come. We'll be starting with the AFC South after this. So and I'll and stay uh, keep uh, you know keep your eyes on the Facebook page. Uh, just search Chicago Bears Review on Facebook to to get updates on when these shows are coming. Uh, I've gotten in touch with everybody in each of those two 
division. Still waiting on commitments from the Titans and the Giants right now. I've got a soft commitment, actually. I was able to kind of you know get a soft yes from the ESPN beat writer for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, his name is Paul Kuharski for the NFL uh, Nation uh, you know, same. Basically, he's the same. He's Tennessee Titans. Jeff Dickerson. You know, Jeff Dickerson follows the Bears for NFL Nation on ESPN. Uh, basically, he's the ESPN beat writer for the Bears. Paul Kuharski, same job for the Tennessee Titans. And uh, we'll see if we can uh, if he can clear a space for us to talk to him about the Titans and and who better to have on the show than somebody who actually spends time in the building uh, with the team. So looking forward to seeing if we can wrangle him. If not, we'll have to. To work some magic and and get on get online and send some emails and some tweets and and whatnot to get somebody on the uh on the show but i have hard commitments from everybody else in the division with the colts the jags and the texans so that's all secure everybody with the redskins mike harar we had him on last year he's a yes we got tom ryle for the uh for the cowboys brandon gowton for the eagles and then we're trying to find somebody uh for the giants uh, right now so we still got some still got some work to do on bringing some guys over to the uh to the show but it's mostly in the bag and i promised that i would get somebody from each team on the show this year and that's absolutely what i plan uh to do so no real news uh to report this time around other than the fact that uh forgot to mention the last time around the bears did release the training camp schedule and uh john fox is an early bird Apparently, loves those morning practices. Um, I don't remember if it was the same last year. It probably was. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, with these, it's either an A practice or a B practice. The A practices are the early starts, 9.35 to 11.30 are the practice times. B practices are 11.15 to 1 p.m. So, you know, either or. And uh, I don't know if I'm going to make it down to Bourbon A uh, this year. Um, probably wouldn't do it on a weekend just because that's when everybody else goes down there. So maybe I'll try to squeeze it down on like a Tuesday or a Wednesday uh, or something and see how that all goes. I haven't quite decided if I'm going to make it out to Bourbon A uh, this year. So have to wait and see. Maybe I'll go down there just because I want to see if Kevin White is a real person and, and if he actually does play football for the Bears. And and uh, I'm sure that, uh, you know, I just actually just watched his video on ChicagoBears.com about his recovery and everything. So I'm excited to see this guy get out there, see if he can compliment Alshon, and maybe he can push Alshon. You know, maybe Kevin White will come out there and get on a fast start, and everyone's like, yeah, well, we got Kevin White, so let Alshon go, or, you know, who's Alshon who, you know, that kind of thing, and that would, that prompt Alshon to grit his teeth and, and get after it and uh, and so on. So we'll have to uh, wait and see, but uh, training camp kicks off officially on July the 28th. They wrap up in Bourbonnais on Wednesday, August the 10th and then move back to Hallis Hall for the remainder of the preseason. Got a couple of practices scheduled with the New England Patriots right before their uh, preseason week two uh, matchup that uh, that weekend. Uh, Thursday, August the 18th is when they play each other, so they'll be practicing together Monday and Tuesday, August 15th uh, and 16th. So, you know, of course, the Bears kick off the preseason the week prior on August 11th with the Broncos at Soldier Field. And for the first time, and I don't remember how long, the Bears finally have that uh, that dress rehearsal uh, game, uh, the one preseason game that actually matters, week number three at home uh, against the Chiefs. But it's on a Saturday afternoon, so we'll see how that conflicts. Because as I told you guys before, I might be in Vegas for the trivia championships 
uh, you know, because I'm a trivia geek and my team and I are doing well. Uh, we're actually in first place in our location, so we're going to qualify, and uh, we'll see if I <laughs> if I have to skip the dress rehearsal for the second year in a row so that I can try to win twenty grand at the trivia championships in Vegas. So we'll see how it all folds out. So enough of the blabbering. Let's go ahead and and move on to our same place opponent preview. With the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, part number two, with our good friend Sander Phillips from Bucks Nation on SBNation.com. And as we dive in to our opponent preview episodes, here we have uh, back with us once again because the Bears unfortunately finished at the bottom of the nfc north as did the tampa bay buccaneers finishing at the bottom of the nfc south so we bring back once again sander phillips from buck nation bucks nation on sb nation sander welcome back to the chicago bears review hey glad to be back thanks for having me so it's been an interesting off season uh for you guys uh down in uh, in tampa um i gotta ask you what what your opinion was on the whole firing of Lovey Smith? Because honestly, I couldn't really wrap my head around it when I found out that they were do they were pulling the trigger on that. Um, it was kind of it, it was very interesting how that went. Um, he was essentially fired for his defense still being uh, mediocre at best, uh, so it hadn't seen any improvement from uh, the year before, and the year before uh, was worse than under Greg Schiano which is pretty bad for a defensive head coach. Right. At, uh, at the same time, you can talk about uh, the fact that they hadn't drafted any defensive players. One defensive player in the two years, Lovie Smith, uh, was there. Um, so there wasn't a lot of investment uh, on defense, and you could expect uh, maybe not seeing uh, a big improvement. So that was the main reason. Uh, the other reason was uh, they were afraid to lose Dirk Cutter who, to be fair, had done a pretty good job with Jameis Winston and the offense uh, last year, but still, that's a pretty weak, uh, weak justification to fire Lovey Smith, if you ask me. So, did it was it overall with the defense, or was it because going into the last four games of the season, a very a very winnable portion of the the schedule? They had uh, the Rams, the Saints, the Bears, and the Panthers going into Week Seventeen. Um, you know, was it the fact that they lost all four of those games and had no shot at the playoffs, or really did it just boil down to the defense, or did that four-game skid at the end really compound matters? Uh, well, it obviously did not help. I mean, I right. imagine if they'd won all four and finished ten and six, then uh, he would have been unfireable, especially sure. if that would have been enough to get into the playoffs, which in hindsight probably wouldn't have been. But still, that that would have been the first winning season since uh, twenty ten. Uh, you can't fire a coach after that. And there were pretty good reasons for why those losses happened. Vincent Jackson was injured uh, throughout that time. Uh, they lost Quan Alexander to a suspension, the only defensive draft pick the team had made the previous two years. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, he finished 6-10 and 10, uh, a year after going 2-14. Most coaches who win eight games in two years get fired. That is true. Uh, that is true. But, I mean, you mentioned, you know, the, the Bucks had, in Lovey's time, they had, in two drafts, 13 picks, only one defensive player. Is it fair that that falls on Lovey? Or, you know, because, you know, that's something. I mean, the head coach has input, but he's not the one that's pulling the trigger on that. 
Right, and he did not have final say over that, though both he and the general manager, Jason Light, constantly talked about uh, doing everything together and making shared decisions. So I think it's fair to at least put that on both. And you do see a lot of uh, apologies for Jason Light. Uh, like he, made, he supposedly made the draft picks and Lovie Smith made the free agent signings that failed, which I don't really get that because they did do everything together. Like they're both responsible for the way the roster looked the past two years. So, you know, and, and you mentioned before that, that uh, one of the other reasons was, uh, you know, fear, if you want to call it that, of losing Dirk Cutter, who had, uh, you know, helped Jameis Winston have a fairly successful uh, rookie campaign. Basically, you know, started from, from one end of the season uh, to the other, threw for over 4,000 yards, ended up making the Pro Bowl. What, you know, how are you feeling about him being the guy that replaced Lovey? Uh, I mean, he's a good coach, as far as I can tell. He's he's always had success with his quarterbacks, uh, except Blaine Gabbard. But you know, who 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 can blame him for that? Right. <laughs> um, so he's a good coach, as far as I can tell. I don't have anything against Dirk Cutter. I'm not sure he's a superstar where you want to throw out uh, your previous head coach just to retain him. Uh, but he certainly seems like a uh, like a good guy, and he brought in uh, good coaches on defense. Uh, Mike Smith, uh, former head coach of the Falcons, uh, some really experienced uh, uh, quality coaches uh, at various positions. So I really have no complaints about uh, Cutter. Um, it's just whether or not uh, Lovie Smith deserved to be fired. Uh, and maybe those two conversations should be held separately. I'm not sure about that. Right. Now, um, the, the, the focus of the offseason appeared to be the defense, because aside from re-signing Doug Martin and adding J.R. Sweezy, pretty much every other move that the Bucks made uh, had a defensive um, motive uh, behind it. And Brent Grimes and Robert Ayers Jr. and uh, and so on. And then going heavy in the draft, I think you had seven draft picks, and at least five of them were defensive uh, players. So obviously, that's a, a side of the ball that that the Bucks were hell bent on improving this offseason. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. I think it was actually four draft picks uh, on defense, though uh, you could arguably count Robert uh, Roberto Aguayo as a defensive player in the second round, but, you know, not quite. But yeah, the first right. two draft picks, they were defense, Vernon Hargreaves and uh, Noah Spence. Uh, the fourth round pick, Ryan Smith, and then another linebacker in the sixth round. Uh, heavy investment in free agency. I mean, they know that the defense is a problem. They think they have a future, a future on offense with Jameis Winston with Doc Martin with a number of young uh, young starters on the offensive line with Mike Evans and Austin Safarian Jenkins uh, at the skill positions. So they think they have a future there. They just need to build a future on defense as well. So talking about the draft really quickly, obviously the headline of the draft, even though he was not – I mean, I, I love your first two picks, Vernon Hargraves Jr., uh, Noah Spence, a steal in the second round because he was rumored to be a mid-to-late first-round pick and would have gone higher had it not been for character issues and off-the-field problems uh, in, in college. So I love those two picks. But trading up in the second round to get a kicker, even though he was widely regarded as the best kicker to be to come out in a draft in quite some time, where – how did you feel about the Bucks not only trading, not only um, not only drafting a kicker in the second round, but trading up to get that kicker? Right. I, th I think at the time I called it uh, the worst decision in the entire draft. Uh, <laughs> that was my immediate reaction. I'm not sure if right. it's quite that bad, but I mean, you're giving up a lot of uh, draft capital 
to get a kicker when you had two competent kickers on the roster, at least in terms of field goal accuracy, um, when the kickoff is uh, declining in importance every year and uh, there are rumblings that we'll see the kickoff entirely abolished in a couple of years. So um, what, what's Roberto Aguayo's value even? I mean, he's a very good kicker. Um, if you look at his, uh, his record in college, it's very good. He was very accurate. Um, he's very good at kickoffs. But even the best kicker in the world is not worth the first overall pick. So there's a point, point in the draft where you can pick that guy and where you can't. And I think uh, the bottom of the second round is, is certainly too high for any kicker. Well, I mean, and I, I think I read something. I don't know if it was on Bucks Nation or if it was someplace else where I just saw a random headline that said the front office in, in Tampa had a first-round grade on a yeah. trial. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's easy to say that uh, in hindsight, obviously. I mean... Uh, the, the front office can say whatever they want. There's no one in the room checking their actual draft board to see if that's right. And we don't even know what first round grade in this context means. Is that like the first one of the first 32 players they wanted to pick? Or is it one of the 32 best players in the draft regardless of what team they'd go to? Or is that a player who would go in the first round in a normal draft or anything? So we don't even know what it really means except that it's a really good soundbite. But obviously, they really liked him because they wouldn't have picked him in the second round otherwise. Right, right, of course. Now, one of the other big stories of the draft was uh, one of the biggest prospects going into it, Laramie Tunsil, the offensive tackle, um, falling in the draft after those uh, the video or the pictures were released on Twitter. Uh, considering some of the troubles that the, the Bucks have had on the offensive line, were you surprised that they didn't take um, take advantage of the of the fall and snap up Tunso because I'm I'm I think I remember you talking about seeing like either on Twitter or online about maybe Ronnie Stanley being the pick there at number nine or something like that. So obviously you were thinking offensive line would be you know something that the Bucks needed to improve on. Were you were you surprised they didn't take advantage of it or were you happy that that Hargraves was the pick? Uh, I certainly wasn't surprised and I think Vernon Hargraves was probably the right pick there. Uh, the issue for the Bucks is that they have a lot of young talent on the offensive line, uh, players they've invested a significant amount of draft capital in. Um, uh, so, see, Donovan Smith is starting at left tackle, and he didn't have a great rookie year. It was okay. But the coaching staff likes him, and you can't move on from him after a single year. Uh, after If he started the entire year as a rookie after being a second-round pick, he's not going to be benched for a draft pick. So, at most, the Bucks would have picked a right tackle um, uh, at number 11, um, but that too was uh, kind of unlikely. They have a pretty good starting right tackle in DeMar Dotson, who is getting older and who is in the final years of his contract. So at some point they need to find a replacement, but it wasn't an immediate need and it was not uh, a high priority. So I wasn't surprised they, they, uh, they passed on Tunzel and picked someone who did fit in an immediate need. Was there anything else amongst the, I mean, because... I've, overall, you have to look at the draft success. I mean, your top three picks are definitely going to be starters for you, I think, in 2016. Would you say that's correct? Um, well, they'll at least be significant contributors. Because, right. I mean, they're, they play on defense, so it's easy for them to not be starters and still get like 60% or 70% of the snaps um, while not being in the base defense. So Hargreaves could be a nickel corner, uh, and Noah Spence could be a pass rush specialist uh, as a rookie. They'll certainly be starters in the long term, obviously. What of the other uh, four picks did you were you a fan of? Did you not like? Did you wish they went a different direction in the later rounds? 
Um, I really liked uh, Ryan Smith in the fourth round. He's a small school player. He's played safety and cornerback. I think their long-term plan is to move him to safety. He's, uh, he's got good size. He's fast. If you look at his tape, he's got good burst. Uh, so I think he has potential to, to shore up the secondary a little bit there where the Bucks do need some help. They're still uh, starting Chris Conti, uh, who you know. And uh, oh, yes. Major Wright yes. is, uh, is the first backup off the bench. So... We're not talking about uh, high-level starters at safety there. So yeah, really, no, that that's yeah. that's a mess. I, I know those. I know those two guys intimately. We, <laughs> yes, and you you re-signed Chris Conti, brought him back yeah. after after a year. So that was even more. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he wasn't bad last year, but he wasn't exactly a difference maker either. He just he was just a guy who did his job and not much more than that. Which is which is better than he did in Chicago, I know. Exactly. I was just going to say I can tell you as someone who watched him play his first four years, <laughs> not being a difference maker, but not being the worst thing on the field is an upgrade yeah, for Chris Conti. So that, that certainly helps. Um, yeah, being being semi competent is uh, is a step forward uh, for him. So maybe he can help you out there, or you know, be a placeholder for that for that kid to to take over, hopefully, hopefully. Uh, the spot for him. So. You guys signed 19 undrafted free agents out of uh, out of out of college this year. Uh, yeah, I think so. And then we added a bunch more and cut some other guys and shuffled some more because that happens every three days in the off season. <clears throat> but yeah, wow. something like that. Any anyone among the bunch that you're particularly excited about? Um, Peyton Barber, the running back out of Auburn, has a good chance of making the roster and contributing. He came out early because uh, his mom. Uh, does not have a house right now. She's living with uh, his sister and has been for a year. Their family uh, is pretty poor, so we went into the draft hoping to sign somewhere and get some money. Uh, I read about he, him. He, That's where he, en- he ended up in Tampa. Yeah, yeah. So okay. he, signed, he signed with the Bucks. He should have, have a good chance to stick as the third running back behind Doug Martin and Charles Sims. So uh, that'll be interesting to watch. Uh, there were a couple of linebackers. Uh, I think they signed... I'm trying to get the name because, uh, uh, see, Luke Rhodes, um, he has a good chance to stick at linebacker uh, as a special teamer and maybe something more in the future. Uh, the Bucks do not have a lot of depth there. They signed a lot of offensive linemen too, so they're definitely... Yeah, looking, I saw that, yeah. Leonard uh, Wester got a, got the biggest signing bonus among all uh, underrated free agents in the NFL. So uh, they like him. Uh, they wanted to find some extra depth uh at the offensive line, so I'd expect one or two underactive free agents to stick at that position too. How much was the was the bonus? Uh, I think it was twenty thousand, and they also guaranteed some of his salary. So that's pretty significant for an underactive free agent. Yeah, that is actually. Um, speaking of um, Doug Martin, um, you know, I was I, I was reading something the other day talking about people who were kind of in the crosshairs, you know, some people some on, on the spotlight, kind of going into. Uh, the season and and one of them was I thought it was odd but it made sense the way that the the guy wrote it out was that it Doug Martin was on the list now you know he he showed up in his contract year he had an outstanding season made the Pro Bowl you know and all that kind of stuff got his money he got paid now he's in the spotlight because he's got to back it up because he had that really great rookie year he had those two injury riddled years where even when he was on the field he was terrible and then showed up for you know to so he get paid now that he's gotten paid he's under the under the spotlight to see how he measures up now that he's got his money will he yeah. continue to earn it yeah and obviously that's 
part of that is that uh, I think only the first two years of his contract are guaranteed. So if he does not show up, the Bucks will cut ties with him after two years. And, you know, that's not that's not good for the Bucks, and it's not good for him if that happens. But it does mean that he needs to show up every year if he wants to stick on the roster. And he has a lot of competition from Charles Sims, who uh, Lovey Smith compared him to like a lighter version of Matt Forte. Obviously, he's not quite as good, but he can, he has some burst and he, he can make some explosive plays. So Martin is not with uh, not guaranteed uh, to get like the bulk of the carries automatically. He he is going to have to do some work uh, to still get on the field. Um, were there any moves in the offseason, like free agency wise, that they didn't make that you wish they had? Because I know that you know yourself, myself, anybody you know who's any fan of any team, <laughs> you kind of have this wish list of players when you're going into free agency. Somebody you'd like to see, you know, something you feel is a position of need. What wasn't filled? Like, who were some players that you were like, maybe the the Bucks would be really good if, if they got their hands on him. That uh, maybe he went elsewhere, or you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, well, I mean, there were a lot of lot of pass rushers in in free agency. I wish the Bucks would have signed Robert Davis is a pretty good player, but uh, he's thirty one uh, and he rushed about half the time from inside. So the Bucks still don't really have that guy who can come off the edge and just beat an offensive tackle in space, which is why they drafted Noah Spence. But rookies take a while to get used to. Uh, to the NFL, and it may, get, it may take him a while to develop, so we don't quite know how that's going to work out. Um, and the Bucks tried to sign uh, pass rushers. They had Charles Johnson in the building, offered him more money than the Panthers, but he wanted to go back to Carolina. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I really wish they, they would have found a way to sign uh, a true edge rusher, someone who could really come off the edge and, uh, and provide that, um, that threat on the outside, which the Bucks have been missing Ever since Simeon Rice, so was was uh, was Olivier Vernon on your wish list then? <laughs> uh, I liked Olivier Vernon. Uh, I would not have been happy with them paying him eighteen million a year. I think that yeah. that's slightly no, I, ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, the the Giants kind of lost their minds in this. I mean, they gave him all that money and then then doubled down by giving Janoris Jenkins a huge guarantee. They spent so uh, much as money. well. They really they spent like a hundred and twenty million dollars on like four players or something just a ridiculous yeah. ridiculous amount of money so uh that bad. they spent no. so the last time that we talked was the week that the bears were playing uh the bucks late in december uh last year the season was starting to wind down and i remember mentioning to you at that point that going into 2016 it was you know because i really wasn't expecting much from atlanta or new orleans and, and the team that kind of appeared to be on the rise was Tampa Bay, you know, going into 2016, do you think that the improvements on, on defense will kind of help you get back into the – and to, to be the team that finished – at least finishes second yeah. to Carolina <laughs> if they can duplicate what they did last year? I actually come close to having a wild card or even getting a wild card spot to the playoffs. Right. But that should be the goal, and they've said that that is the goal to get to the playoffs this year. Uh, and I think they added they added a lot of talent. Uh, a lot of it is older talent, which is kind of the Bill Belichick way of doing things. Like the 31-year-old guys who used to be superstars and can be now solid contributors for a year or two. Um, right. And I think they did enough of that, uh, along with improvement from uh, players who were rookies last year, to, to at least uh, to at least threaten that point. They have a they have a really rough schedule. Uh, I think it's it's uh, something like the fifth the fifth toughest schedule in the uh in the nfl but they should they, they should be able to get to nine and seven or to get to ten and six 
for the first time in what would be six years. I don't think that's too much to ask at this point. So do you do you not think that there will be any kind of drop off? I mean, I mean, basically, you, you hired from within as far as getting the the head coach. So yeah. There's not much of a not much of a transition that needs to be made there. So you don't think that the Bucks will suffer any setback from being a part of a new regime again? Uh, no, I don't think that's an issue. At least the offense will remain the same. Uh, I think they retain almost every uh, offensive coach. Uh, and added uh, Todd Munkin, who's actually a pretty big name, so I was surprised they, they'd be able to get him uh, as a receivers coach uh, and offensive coordinator. So th- is, is Cutter still going to be the play caller? Yeah, yeah okay. so, so uh, Munkin is really more of a wide receivers coach with you know an extra uh, coordinator title for probably money and prestige value. Uh, sure. Yeah, uh, but that's, that's a pretty big name. And on defense, they, they got Mike Smith. Uh, they basically overturned all of the coaching staff, I think. Uh, so that's going to be an adjustment, but Mike Smith's defense is not that dissimilar to Lovey Smith's. It's a little more aggressive. It's a little more versatile, but it's not. Uh, they're not going to be playing uh, press man every snap now or something. That's not going to happen. Um, so I would not expect it, but I mean, who who knows? I, I, I suck at uh, predicting what happens to the Bucks because I'm optimistic every year, and then people sure, get fired sure. every year. So yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The Bears. <laughs> Every schedule I see, they can finish 11-5, 12-4 every single year. So I, I fall victim to that uh, uh, as well. Because it, because when you sit there and you look at the schedule, it's not will they win, it's can they win. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, they can win they that. Can. They can win this one too. They can go on a seven-game win streak in the middle of the season. Of course that can happen. <laughs> you know, it's – yeah, it's, it's a little it's, luck. It can, yeah, of course. So I mean, every time I sit there and look at the schedule, like and logically, twelve and four does not sound ridiculous when I look <laughs> at this. But will it happen that way? Probably not. But can it happen? Of course it can. So you know, it's just one of those curses it have from being, you know, biased towards a certain football team. I think that's just being a sports fan in general. Yeah, of course. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm from Chicago, born and raised on the north side. The Cubs are playing lights out, so of course they're going to finish 162 and 0 and win the World <laughs> Series, and you know end a 135,000 year drought, and and you know end all my suffering as far as a baseball fan is concerned. So that's just how that's going to happen. So. Yeah, and and the next ten years as well. That's yes, how that works. of course. So <laughs> that is how that's going to happen. So, um, you know, it's you, you. We mentioned before about the schedule, maybe something like the fifth toughest. Uh, in the in the league, uh, just based on win loss from last year, you guys have the NFC West and the AFC West uh, this yeah. year being your two different uh, divisional uh, opponents. So, not any, the easiest group. <laughs> no, I mean we had them last year, so I know all about it. I can I can tell you, but um, you know it's uh, it's a it's a more difficult schedule. But it's the weird, like the first half of the schedule is is all paired up. It's two away, two at home, two away, two at home yeah. uh, to kick things off there. Anything else in the schedule that kind of jumped out at you when you, when you first saw it? Um, not particularly. The, the two at home is, I think, the Bucks have not said this, but I think that's to give, uh, give the renovations on the stadium a little extra time. Because oh, the they're renovating? Two, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, they're they're renovating the scoreboard and they're they're adding some other stuff to the to the luxury seats, which which will take some time. Which is why the first two preseason games are away, and I imagine they scheduled the regular season 
So if things get out of hand, they at least have some extra time there. Um, so that's an interesting detail I have not seen talked about much, not that it really matters. <coughs> I'm not sure about the rest. The, yeah, the other thing that really stood out is that the Bucks have three of the last four games are in division. So, so, so if it's close to the division at that point, those, oh, wow. yeah, those just, three games are going to be uh, really, really important. Yeah, especially since, what is this, 17, 16, 15, what, week 14 is the first game you play against the Saints? Yeah. And then two weeks later, you do it again week 16. That is weird. That is, that is going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be like you'd be like deja vu. Like, didn't we just play this game? And then here we are doing it again. Yeah. It's weird, but, you know. Um, let me ask you. Um, I am what you would call a uniform snob. I know mean, we had a conversation about the uniforms last year. But, yeah. Um, the, the whole color rush thing, uh, the teams wearing the same color from, from head to toe. The Buccaneers uh, played in a game last year on Thursday Night Football against right. the Rams. Yeah. Um, the condiment bowl. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh my God! It's it's the the bane of my uniform snob existence, and it and it frightens me so because it's the Bears are playing in a color rush game this year, and if there's one thing that I can't stand um, that the Bears did with the whole alternative jersey was wear the orange jerseys. I absolutely loathe <laughs> the orange jerseys, and to think that the Bears might be head to toe orange when they play Green Bay is uh. just just frightening so but yeah i'm not a fan of those jerseys no no and god bless you for saying that but (laughs) you know the whole condiment bowl was that was like i actually could physically could not watch the game i just had to turn it (laughs) off because i couldn't sit there and watch the ketchup and mustard bowl uh happen uh in front of me yeah i i kind of liked the the bucks uniforms when i saw when i saw them in isolation but on that field with all the red and then all the it, it did not work Oh. It did not work. <laughs> it did not. Oh, but man, it was atrocious. The weird thing is, this year, the Bucks are playing Thursday night against the Falcons, and they're doing the uh, color rush thing again. And the Falcons and Bucks both have red as their primary colors. So are both teams going to wear red? How's that going to work? We do not know. Nobody are, knows. Are the Bucks going to wear a pewter from head to toe on that one? I mean, who's the... I mean, the Bucks are the home team, so I'm guessing maybe they're going to be the ones wearing... Red, maybe the Falcons will be black from head to toe? I don't know. I can't imagine all pewter looking any better. Yeah. No, that would be kind of hard on the ice too, wouldn't it? I just hate the whole color rush thing. <laughs> just, I just, I just not a fan at all with the whole. It's uh, such a weird rush. gimmick too. It is. It, it really is. And I mean, in all the color rush games, I can't think of a, a uniform. The only one that I didn't dislike, I think, was when the Cowboys won, wore the, the all white from on uh, – on Thanksgiving. That was the only color rush uniform that didn't make me want to vomit. <laughs> because watching uh, Jacksonville and um, I think Tennessee, where it was all powder blue versus all whatever color that gold is oh, supposed to be for yeah. Jacksonville, that was not pretty at all. And just that's just a f- one example. So it's yeah. just... Uh, yeah. But, but that, game, that game was really easy to skip because, you know, Titans and Jaguars. Yeah. <laughs> It definitely was. Um, so let's talk about Jameis Winston. Um, number one overall pick, high expectations, all of the, the talk about his off-field issues and his problems in, uh, you know, at Florida State. Mm-hmm. Played dynamite on the field, especially, you know, when, when, 
when you are a rookie quarterback starting from from day one and from all in from all you know from at least from my perspective anyway I didn't hear anything about him was a model citizen off the field as well yep yep the past year he's, he's done well he's good, looked good on the field he's done all the charity stuff uh, he's stayed out of trouble um so really i think this was kind of a best case scenario uh for when they drafted him maybe he, i mean he wasn't quite like robert griffin the third in his rookie year in terms of on-field impact but he was he was good and that's probably a good thing as well because Griffin came into Washington, he had such high expectations, and then played out of his head that first year. And then it was just went off the edge, yes. off the cliff after that. And his, his spiral continues because he ended up in Cleveland now. Yeah. But, um, no, no, know, supposedly he's going to be starting there, so that'll be interesting. Yeah, because they gave up, they traded away that number two pick and, and didn't draft a quarterback until like the third or the fourth round. Yeah, in Cleveland. So Griffin's the guy in Cleveland right now. That'll be interesting. But um, you know, four thousand yards last year. His touchdown to interception ratio was actually pretty. What is it, twenty-two to fifteen or something like that? But yeah, I mean, it's good. There were there was one game where he had four interceptions early on, and after that, uh, he basically locked it down in terms of turnovers. Um, yeah, twenty-two and fifteen plus four rushing touchdowns. So Andy made a Pro Bowl. Went and made the Pro Bowl, won Rookie of the Year. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that is pretty much uh, the, the best-case scenario for uh, for the number one overall pick. And, you know, it's just one of those things where you, you hear the off-field issues, the, 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 the arrests or, you know, whatever it was that was going on at Florida State, and then you give that guy and guarantee $25 million as the number one overall pick and such, and that seems to only compound issues by giving a guy – with that much freedom, that much money on top yeah. of it. I mean, that's always a risk if you draft anyone. And sometimes uh, you can't really predict uh, which players will go off the deep end with all that cash. Uh, but so far, so good. So fingers crossed, I guess. Right. Now, um, when I, I was looking at something on ESPN uh, earlier today saying that um, basically with the, it was uh, one of their writers was grading uh, the offseason for every team. And... Um, he gave the Bucks a C, yeah, uh, for the uh, for the entire off season, and and one of the things that that he mentioned that I hadn't hadn't thought about yet was the wide receiver position uh, for the Bucks is pretty shallow because you have you have Mike Evans, he's not going anywhere, but uh, Vincent Jackson is entering the last year of that huge contract yep. he signed with you guys, and then it's a pretty steep fall off from from the depth behind them. Yeah, then you got to uh, Lewis Murphy. Um, who's a pretty solid third receiver, but he's coming off an ACL injury, so you never know how he's going to, to respond to that. Then there's last year's six-round pick, Kenny Bell, who has a lot of talent, but he missed his entire rookie season with an injury, so you have no clue how he's going to adjust. And then you get to like the undrafted rookies from this and last year who uh, may or may not have contributed a little, but um, you can't be throwing those guys the balls 20 times a game. Right, and then he, he also addressed the offensive line, which is what uh, prompted me to ask about the whole Laramie Tunsil um, thing. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the offensive line questions are um, they're fair in terms of the performance you saw last year. I mean, it was uneven. At the same time, two of those guys were rookies. Uh, the Bucks are happy with them. They're not going to be replaced. They signed a left guard. He's not going to be replaced. Uh, they like their center. He's not going to be replaced. They have a veteran right tackle. He's not going to be replaced. So who are you going to add to that group of five starters you're not replacing? Right. 
yeah, it's uh, it's more of a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of uh, situation there because yeah. the Donovan Smith being the left tackle, he you know was a rookie who wasn't bad, but he wasn't great last yeah. year. He's still kind of learning the ropes. So you're not going to bring somebody in to replace him, and Tunsil would have been redundant if to, if you brought him in, and you know especially since Smith was he was a second round pick last year, right? Yeah, top of the second round. Yeah, so to bring in a first round pick to to squash your second round pick from a year ago. Yeah, I definitely who, who understand. Has, who, has, who hasn't been bad? So uh, right, right. It'd be one thing if he was terrible, but he wasn't. He was maybe inconsistent. So, as we alluded to a few moments ago, looking at the schedule and everything, you, I'm sure you've gone through it a thousand times at this point. Where do you see the Bucks finishing uh, 2016? Um, I, I'm going to say nine and seven. Uh, looking at everything, because I like being kind of optimistic. Sure. Uh, and I do think, like, if you fire Lovey Smith after a six and ten season, then the next year it better be at least a three-win improvement, right? You can't just go back and go six and ten again. That's that'd be awful. What do you think the out? I mean, it would would Kirk Cutter be a one and done team guy if that happened, or you know, what do you what do you foresee being the being the fallout if if they if they did in fact take a step back this year? I mean, that that to me would depend on how well Jameis Winston and the offense does. If the problem continues to be the defense, um, uh, then maybe Jason Light takes the fall as the general manager who has yeah. had three years to build the team and has not done it right. Uh, I don't think they'd fire Dirk Cutter after one year. They still have not fired any coach after one year at any point. And they've had Raheem Morris and they've had Greg Schiano. Uh, so, you know, that that's an accomplishment. <laughs> Right, definitely. <laughs> okay. Well, that's Sander, I think that's all that I have for you. But of course, you know, the Bears and the Bucks play what in November this year, so we're not surrounding the Christmas season like we did last year. So we'd love to have you back on uh again during that uh the November the thirteenth is when the Bears and uh and the Bucks play each other, week number yep. ten. Long week, week of 10. rest for the Bucks. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's after they play a Thursday night game. So yeah. they play, uh, and the third of a three-game homestand on top of that. So uh, they play the Raiders, then they play Atlanta on Thursday night, and then they wrap it up with the Bears on uh, on Sunday, November 13th. So we'll love to have you back uh, that Absolutely. week in November and uh, see where our teams are. I'm pretty much at the midway point in the season as uh, we head downhill towards the end of the 2016 season. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Well, thanks so much uh, for coming back on, Sander. Sander Phillips, BucksNation.com uh, on SB Nation. And uh, where are you at on Twitter? Uh, at Bucks underscore Nation. And that's where you can find him on Twitter. Sander Phillips talking Bucks with, uh, with us here on the Chicago Bears Review. Thanks for having me. So, good conversation with uh, Sander and glad to have him back. Look forward to talking to him again in November when the Bears and the Bucks kick off the second half of the season. As I mentioned before, uh, a little bit of a break for both teams, actually. Uh, the Bucks have a, uh, uh, semi, like a semi-buy. They play a Thursday night football game, so they got a 10-day rest before they play the Bears, and the Bears coming off the bye. 
uh, on week number nine before playing the Bucks week 10 uh, at Raymond James in Tampa. So uh, looking forward to that one. Hopefully the defense can bottle up Jameis Winston the same way they did uh, the first time uh, last year. And uh, we'll see how it all uh, unfolds for them. Uh, like, I, like I was mentioning to, to Sander, all things being equal with the way things were looking in in 2015. They had that collapse in the fourth quarter of the season, but if anybody's going to challenge the uh, the Panthers and the NFC South, I would put my money on Tampa Bay before I really put it on anybody else at this point just because they seem, you know, the most capable of being able to do something about it. They have Doug Martin, the, the you know, they added parts to the defense and uh, you know, Jameis Winston's doing well, Mike Evans, uh, Safarian Jenkins, the tight end uh, for them and so on. I think they would, you know, maybe not an immediate contender, but at least knocking on the door uh, to be that team in second place uh, against the, uh, the Panthers and maybe just maybe arguing for a, uh, a wild card spot uh, in the NFC South. So we'll uh, we'll wait and see what happens there. Looking forward to talking to Sander in November, see where we're at going into that second half uh, of the season. So same place opponents, close the book on them. We are now done moving on to phase two of this opponent preview uh, um, you know, uh, journey uh, that we're taking, if you will. Up next is the AFC South. What, I'm, what my plan is, what I want to do is I want to go from worst to first, which means we got to start with the Tennessee Titans, which means I will be trying to pin down uh, Paul Kuharski from, uh, from NFL Zone on ESPN, basically the, the beat writer, the Jeff Dickerson of the Tennessee Titans, see if I can pin him down and uh, get him on the show. Uh, if not, I'll get to work and see if we can't uh, do that. And if we can't make that happen or if, if – uh, because what's holding Paul Kuharski from saying yes right now is that this is – because this is that lull in the season, this is when guys like him and Jeff Dickerson, this is when they go on vacation because when June and July come around, they got to start buckling down for training camp and so on and so forth. So this is kind of like that quiet time in the season where these guys get to be normal people and go on vacation before the season takes over uh, their lives. So that's kind of where – when when – Paul was getting back to me uh, on Twitter he was saying that he was going on uh, vacation asking him when would be a good time is early June good and so on and so forth if we need to push it back a little bit further then we'll just start because like I said I got commitments from uh, from Brett Coleman for the for the Texans Josh Wilson uh, for the Colts and and Colton Menzel all three from SB Nation uh, for the Jaguars and and so on so I got commitments from them it's more of a just let me know when you need me and we'll make it happen kind of thing so if we have to hold the Titans off for later then we'll do that but uh, what I'd like to do is go from worst to first. So I'm going to get back in touch with with Paul uh, Kuharski and see what his schedule is like, when he'd be available to come onto the show. And if he needs more time, then we'll just go ahead and get started. So like I said, stay up on Twitter, stay up on the Facebook page. Just search Chicago Bears Review on Facebook to, to let you guys know when these shows are coming and who the shows are going to be with. So, uh, you know, maybe we'll, uh, we'll, we'll play it by ear as far as the AFC South uh, is concerned. We want to go from worst to first. We'll start with the Texans, then go to the Jags, the Colts, and then finish, excuse me, start with the Titans, then go with the Jags, the Colts, and then finish with the Texans, and, and so on. So we'll see if I can, uh, if we can manage it that way. If not, then we'll just go with the AFC South, who's available first. We'll talk to them, and so on and so forth. But either way, we're going to have all four teams from the AFC South represented 
represented it. Yeah, that's good English. That's I did gooder in 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 school and stuff. Um, anyway, then we'll move on to the NFC East. Then, of course, with our friends um, from the NFC North, uh, Evan Western, uh, Jeremy Reisman, and uh, Reisman, excuse me, Jeremy Reisman, and uh, Chris Gates uh, from the uh, from the Daily Norseman. Uh, for the Minnesota Vikings so looking forward to having those guys back on and then we'll see what kind of magic I can work uh, for the Bears show at the very end so okay uh, keep like I said keep uh, keep yourselves posted uh, on the uh, Chicago Bears Review Facebook page keep checking me out on Twitter I will be posting these updates to let you guys know when and who will be on the show so until then my name is Larry D and this has been the Chicago Bears Review This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. 
So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.